Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. This is a post, I guess, July 2nd for Leafs fans, or July 3rd, depending on what time you consider Domi signed, because was he sleeping? Was he not sleeping? It was a great debate July 2nd at night. As always, joined by Jason. How's it going? I mean, uh, I'm going to say a lot of people were not familiar with Brad Living's game, because on July 1st, there were a Ooh. lot of mean tweets. And... uh then on July 2nd, there were a lot of happy tweets. And then I saw a lot of posts from, uh, shout out to to Joe on Twitter, Joe Hill. He DM'd me a hilarious picture. It's just the, I'm not familiar with your game pick from, uh, I think Shaq <laughs> said it, right? Sorry, brother, I was not familiar with your game. Like that's literally 90% of Leafs Twitter after July 2nd, because w- what a great, great uh, free agency so far for the Leafs. If you think about where we were last off season uh, and the play- p- pieces we got, the pieces we acquired, Versus where we are now this offseason, the pieces we got, the pieces we acquired, and the pieces that we let go. I think we're in a pretty tidy spot compared to previous years. Again, coming into the offseason, a lot of people I saw quickly for my ramble here, a lot, of, a lot of people I saw were comparing this team to the team that was in the playoffs. That's not really fair. We gave up two first, multiple seconds, prospects to build that team, right? This is just the, this is the foundation. I think the foundation we've built has addressed the needs that we had this offseason. And I think that was the biggest misstep of last offseason. We didn't address those needs. So off the top, that's my two cents. I, I love July 2nd. How are you doing? I know you had a great July 1st, not least related, but uh, uh, how, how was your July 1st and July 2nd? I don't know. I just know you had a little bit of a shindig. So just want to make sure that you recovered yeah. well and it was a good time. I mean, I, you must have been pissed, though, seeing no literally no signings for the Leafs. Uh, well, like we saw John Klingberg. I mean, yeah. also, like, I saw Justin Hall go for 10 million. I saw a bunch of third pair defensemen go for $10 million. Um, I saw tracks. I saw Ryan Graves get six years, four and a half million dollars per as well. I don't really like that one. I saw Tristan Jari go for five. Sorry to, you know, be like the talk about your ex kind of thing, but <laughs> I'm going to do it. I don't like what Kyle Dubas did. I think he spent a lot of money on some not that great players. Tristan Jari's like, a pretty good goalie, but for the last two, three time, two or three times that they've actually really, really needed him, he's been injured. And now you give him five years, five mil per. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> sure. If, and then if, you signed a third goalie. Okay. Sure. Insurance. You signed a third goalie. You're not exactly like, I don't know. They, they are, they had some room to spend, but now you got a third goalie. Is he going to go down on waivers? Is he going to be with the team? Three goalies in the mix can screw up a goalie room a little bit, like in terms of playing time, or if, is the guy never going to play? Like, And then at 1.5, it's not variable fully. So if you send him down to, to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, you're going to have part of that's going to be on the cap. So I think Kyle Dubas did not address the secondary scoring that Pittsburgh needed. And he spent a lot of money not doing that. So kind of gave me a little bit. It was a little like they signed Noral Chari, who's a decent player. I liked him with the Leafs. But what he did this offseason for Pittsburgh kind of gave me like shades of previous offseasons, no? Yeah. And, like, we and, went through a playoffs where we get our third line tallied what? A goal from David Camp at five on five, Engvall and Pierre, uh, uh, and Mikheyev couldn't do anything at five on five. And we responded by signing. Nick Ritchie, who I thought was at the time a good one, that was a, that was it was a good, good listen, it was a good dart throw, but like there were other guys we could easily signed. We thought it was good too, but again, yeah. it's not our job to decide. But what's like good last season, uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel, 
That that one we right. knew that was bad. That one we knew. <laughs> that right? one we knew he wasn't going to score at all. Exactly. Uh, and and just to go off that point though, comparing like let's compare our ex to our current girlfriend right now, our current wife, whatever, however you want to call this, right? Like you see, you see our ex, let's call him our ex, uh, hand out money on free agency, two mil here, two mil there. You said five million for Tristan Jari, right? Two million on Achari, two million on there was another player, I think it was a center. Was it uh Eller, maybe? Lars Eller, that's right. He yeah. gave Lars Eller two years, 2.45. So you give these guys like two years and you're giving He's them 35. Like yeah, you're giving a bunch of 35, 32 years old, years old term, term. And meanwhile, we're sitting here. We just signed a guy who's 28 for one year and we got him for five mil. You combine those two guys and that's it. And then yep. on top of that, you got Max Domi, you got Ryan Reeves, you got John Klingberg. A lot, a lot of people weren't happy about the last two, but I think the first two were really important because since the John Tavares and TJ Brody offseason, when we signed both those guys, actually those weren't in the It wasn't at the same time. It wasn't at the same time. So I guess since those two signings, we've never really had a prolific signing. And it's, and it's not saying you have to, but with the team that we had, we kind of needed someone to jump up in that top six. We never really had that signing, but now we did. Who are you going to say? Well, well to give him credit, last tight season, offseason, he did sign Samson off two seasons ago. Fair. It was bunting. Those were the good ones. Yeah. However, you could argue, oh, there was never any cap space for Kyle Dubas to do so. Yeah, well, he spent 4.6 on Matt Murray at last offseason, yeah. right? Like this this offseason for Brad Tree Living, we're getting in, into it hot. We're way <laughs> off topic, but who cares? Way off topic. It's this all good. Brad Tree Living era in Toronto, it didn't start very exciting. Like 1000% did not start very exciting. David Camp, four years at 2.4 mil, is an overpay. David Camp is a fourth line defensive center. He's going to chip in 25 points. It seems like both seasons, it's been 25, 26. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to win some faceoffs kind of thing. But like, you're not putting. Pontus Holmberg and David Camp spot one for one. Pontus Holmberg isn't as good defensively, number one. So uh, he did that, and then he drafted Easton Cowan, whom a lot of people had in the 50s in the first round. Like, okay, you drafted him 28th overall. So David Camp, Easton Cowan, and then your first signing, which we saw from a mile away, was Ryan Reeves for three years, right? One thing with the Ryan Reeves contract, not fully variable this season, probably will be next season and the season after, depending on what you want to do with him, right? So those first three moves from Bradtree Living and keeping Sheldon Keefe, which what else was out there? I'm not sure, but I'm not, you know, whatever. Anyways, I'll go and pass that. So those four things to start the Bradtree Living era in Toronto, like I don't care what you think of Tree Living. If you think he's a god, if you love Boston pizza, whatever, those are like you ask for a dirt bike for Christmas and instead you you got like a, a carton of two percent milk like it was very 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 bland we'll say it was very very bland i have no other analogy for it but if you were patient and you stuck you stuck with you stuck with our two friends we got here if you're watching on youtube this is a great youtube plug because i'm not explaining what they are if you stuck with our friend here faith and believe <laughs> We got Tyler Bertuzzi on July 2nd for one year. He was looking for term, and he, we got him for one year. And then right after that, while the guy was sleeping, apparently, we got Max Domi, too. We got Love John it. Klingberg before that, but whatever. We got Max Domi 
Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, and John Klingberg all on one-year contracts. So it doesn't screw up the cap for next year. It doesn't affect anything for next year. I, love I don't those. know. I'm I'm a fan of I'm a big fan of Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, and we'll I, get in our episode. I went back and clipped it, and at the end of me describing Tyler Bertuzzi, we both went. Yeah, I want. Well, we're probably capped out from. <laughs> but we all wanted him, right? And we weren't. <laughs> we weren't. I'm ha- I'm so happy because again, this is a, a great thing that we kind of talked about as well last episode that we might see these shorter term deals just with the cap going up because agents are well aware of this. It's not like it's a secret. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense for these guys who think they're going to be able to cash in big to go with a good team, take that one year term, expect the cap to go up. And maybe this is something a free agency trend we might see over the coming years. Right. If the league is expecting to grow. Right. And the cap is going to keep continue to go up a lot. And like uh, if they have another they- expansion team. I mean, two expansion teams, apparently 34 would be bananas, 34 teams. But uh, yeah, if we watch the cap go up, maybe we're going to see this trend continue. And this is something that a team like the Leafs or any Stanley Cup contending team needs to take advantage of because you are essentially signing a fantastic player with zero risk, right? The the expected AAV for uh, for Tyler Bertuzzi was five, five, six was between five and six. We got him for literally that number. And we have zero mm-hmm. long-term attachment to him, which is great, which is not the best, but also really good because he's an injury prone player. Players tend to fall off in their thirties. So again, like this is, these moves are, are, are very interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch these move forward. Cause this is, the, this is something that I think the Leafs should start to continue to do. If we see the cap, if the rumors of the cap increasing continue year over year, we need to see teams do this more. And yeah, the biggest team. I think the big thing of why you were able to get Bertuzzi and Domi, like you didn't blow your load early in this one. Exactly. Right? That as well. You that didn't was a big go one. into free agency with no money. And then, you know, figured out like you waited like last year, Rodriguez got two mil one year, two mil. And then this year, and he performed decently, like comparable, I would say, ish to his time in Pittsburgh versus his time in Colorado. And then this year, he got three mil per for four years at 30 years old. Like you wait, and sometimes guys will trickle through. Now, if the Leafs waited and didn't sign Domi, didn't sign Bertuzzi, you could have taken a shot at Tarasenko. Yep. He's still out there. St- still right? can. Still can. When I, well, <laughs> Brandon Pridham would have, I know he did. And he's turned down a bunch of offers, but we are current. The Leafs are currently 8 mil over the cap. So there would have to be some gymnastics to get that one done. And also it would have to be short term. Let's be real. Yeah. We know, we know live there saying anyways. So that was just the little preamble, kind of the feelings, the, the ramblings about, um, what you, what happened over the last week or so with the Leafs? To close this out, a lot of people, hey, we see you on Twitter. Own up to it. Offer the man an apology if you feel like those those day two signings were better were a lot better than those day ones. If you were critical on day one, it's okay to admit you're wrong. And, no, and a lot say, of people can just say they were critical on day one. It's like, oh, we got lucky. That, that's and it crazy. Fell through the cracks. Like, all right. Yeah. All right. Whatever. We got lucky okay. with John Tavares. Like, I hope we get, get lucky real. and win a cup. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We got lucky with John Tavares. He yeah. came to the Leafs. He said, This is on the table. You need to give me this and I will sign. Like, yeah. is that how negotiations typically work? That's yeah. what I heard, at least. But, anyways. anyways, moving on to the next topic we have, let's go a little bit deeper into like the players that we signed. And I think the four most important ones that everyone is obsessed with, starting off with. 
Tyler Bertuzzi. We already talked about his deal, but just to refresh people on what exactly it was, uh, he Bertuzzi signed a one-year deal at $5.5 million. And included in that deal, which is really important, is a no-movement clause. So obviously the Leafs plan and foresee Bertuzzi to probably be playing in the top six. They probably see him as a centerpiece. You think he's going to make team. the team? I uh, I give it a 50-50 shot. No. Um, yeah, obviously he's going to make the team. But yeah, they see him as a centerpiece for this team. I mean, last year with Boston, he did really well in the playoffs. It was, it was like 10 points in seven games, five goals against Florida. He's like the, I mean, I'm not a big believer in the playoff performer guy, but like this is like, this guy is like the, the, the proof in the pudding. If the guy like that exists, it's him, right? So uh, I guess you could call him a bunting replacement, but I think he's going to be better than bunting. So, Joe, you did you did a thread on Bertuzzi. I want to hand this off to you. I don't want to bury the lead here. If you haven't checked out the thread, go check us out on Twitter at Rink Rat Report and go look at that thread. Bite size uh, thread on how Tyler Bertuzzi plays his game. So, like, expand that. Like, like, give us some more info on that thread and like on what you see in Tyler Bertuzzi's game. Yeah, um, I said it last episode as well. We put it on TikTok. Follow us on there if you have that app. But with Tyler Bertuzzi, what I see is a very smart player. Like this is a guy that uh, is pretty good at getting inside leverage on the puck, pretty good at shielding the puck too. He's listed at 6'1", 185. He looks a lot bigger than that. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's an optical illusion. Anyways, so throws his body around functionally tough is how I put it. He doesn't put up a ton of hits. He's not going to run everyone through the boards and oh, get the crowd going. He's going to get inside position at the front of the net. He's going to get throw his ass out and protect the puck and buy himself some space. He's pretty good at throwing the throwing his weight around for what he has. On top of that, I love the way he scans in both the offensive zone and the defensive zone. Head on a swivel, always always knows what his surroundings are, who's around him. You might see him. You're going to see him throw like it looks like a blind pass behind the back to a wide open guy. Guess what? He knew that guy was there. Because he's always scanning, always knows where everyone is. Defensive zone in terms of coverage, I think is pretty good. And in terms of that, like in a six on five situation, I wouldn't mind him out there at all, right? In terms of defensive zone, though, he doesn't have the greatest amount of speed. He tr- he has trouble picking pucks off up, up off the board while you know accounting for pressure from the back from a pinching defenseman. Uh, so he's not going to exit the zone with the puck a ton. And also conversely, because he's not the fastest player, he's not going to enter the zone, the puck with a, uh, uh, enter the zone with the puck a ton as well. Right. But you're going to get a lot out of him from, uh, from cycle offense. I think in front of the net, he's pretty good. He's really good off the puck too, creating space for himself. Um, and again, can chip in with 20 plus goals, but is mainly a playmaker. He's a very, very good playmaker in my opinion. Um, to the guy on TikTok that was trying to be a troll and say, oh, he had eight goals last year. Um, go get a job. How about that? He had 30 the year before. <laughs> I don't have to say it again. He also only played 40 ga- 50 games. So I feel like that's like played kind of 50 important. games. His PDO was like PDO was supposed to be around 100. Yeah. It was at 925 with the Red Wings. He had a yeah. tough time coming back from back surgery, like, or a back injury or some sort of injury. But the first few games whatever like first 10 or so games with the wings he had no points at all and he was just getting pdo bombed his shooting percentage was in the ground like he was just getting unlucky and it was a small sample size and then guess what with the bruins 
He was fantastic. Boston fans were hammering the table. We want Bertuzzi back. And a lot of them were pretty damn upset when he didn't sign. Like Pete Blackburn is the biggest Leafs hater, loves the Bruins. And it just brought a smile to my face to see him say, no, when Bertuzzi signed with the Leafs for one year, five and a half. Probably turned that down, that offer down from the Bruins too. And this so, is an open invitation oh. to Pete Blackburn if he ever wants to come on the show and discuss how much the Leafs suck. You're more than welcome to come on here and we'll go back and forth about the Bruins. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was a perfect thing. And I think I forgot to write this down, but that's like the big, I think that's one of the bigger things about the signing is that not only do we get a great free agent, we got a guy from literally our division rivals. I think right now, Boston <laughs> or Tampa are our rivals. We don't care about Montreal. Boston and Tampa notably got worse. Exactly. And the biggest thing is that Boston went out of their way to clear cap space with trading Tyler Hall in what I assume is an attempt to keep a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, and they weren't able to do that. That is massive for us. I love I love that little – again, that doesn't really matter because if Tyler Bertuzzi would go to 31, 30 other teams, it wouldn't really make a difference. But we – the feeling of us stealing him from the Boston Bruins, like that's a, that's a win for me. I know that's such yeah. a small win, but that's like a, a, a win for me. So – Moving when on you from look at the competitive yeah. teams in the Atlantic too, just to go off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like Tampa Bay lost Ross Colton. They lost Ian Cole. Pat Merlin was a fourth line or whatever. It doesn't matter. Still, they I, lost I, him I'd too. Argue still an impactful player for them. Like maybe not yeah, I guess. on the, seems, maybe not like seemed to be impactful there, against the Leafs yeah. for some, some reason. I don't always. know how he would score against anyways. us so often. Anyways, keep going. I know. Just <laughs> the dumbest. Uh, frustrating. But yeah, an annoying player to play against, but that's his, what well, he knows his role. I'd say yeah. that. And Ian Cole was like a top four-ish guy for them too. So that's that's not a small loss. And then you look at the Bruins. They're not sure if Bergeron's coming back. They're not sure if Krejci's coming back. They traded away Taylor Hall. Now they lost Tyler Bertuzzi. They lost Connor Clifton as well, who's like a... They lost Connor Clifton. Like he was like their 6-7-D for them. Still but good. Yeah. on top of that, they lost Orlov. If you're yep. going to include that, they lost Garnet Hathaway, yep. right? So, so those are pretty big losses right there. Exactly. So, uh, mo- moving on from that, though, where does Bertuzzi fit in the lineup, right? For sure, so top six. Top six for sure, but how do we see our roster construction with him, right? Like, I guess mm-hmm. the, the first question, question the first question is, like, how do you, like, structure a roster, right? Because we saw different things. We saw, we've, last year, we saw Matthews Marner for 50 mm-hmm. games, and or for, like, maybe, let's say, 65% of the games. And then we saw, like, Matthews Nylander for, like, the other, mm-hmm. odd, some odd games. So, um, where, where do you think he fits? Like which centerman would he work best with? Number one between Tavares and Matthews. Cause assuming those guys are going to be your top six centers. Uh, and then also who do you see on the wing with them? So yeah, very good question. We're not really going to tell how it works until we see it in on the ice essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. But here's my stab at it. I like he could work with Matthews Marner and then you go Bertuzzi as well. I think with that playmaking ability and that net front ability and his ability to create space for himself, he could work very, very well with Mitch Marner and then dishing pucks off to Matthews too. Um, Marner can be the puck transporter on that line. I think Matthews can ish, but doesn't for some reason. Um, Who knows? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count for Matthews to be the primary puck mover on that line, but you know, things could change here and there. Um, The, I could see in terms of like a defensive responsive, adding some defensive responsibility to Nylander Tavares, or even if you go Nylander Matthews Bertuzzi, I think that could work too. But if you go Bertuzzi Nylander Tavares, my issue could be the puck 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, sorry, the speed. Yeah. Like him and Tavares together could be pretty slow. Um, so that's not something. Maybe I would it'd be something I would try. I mean, he is defensively responsible. Again, that w- that could help there. But then, you know, two guys that can't really skate the puck up the ice at all, I would say, could be a little bit tough. I mean, Max Domi could play center. I'll get into him. Um, could he be a fit with him? Eh, potentially. I mean, wouldn't rule it out if you go like maybe – I don't know, like something like Nice Domi, Bertuzzi, maybe that could work. I don't know. I, I think that could possibly work. So something like that. I, 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 but obviously though, in that top six, maybe if you want to spread the love a lot, that top nine, you could even say, uh, depending on who's the third line center. Obviously, you're not putting with David Camp. Like that'd just be a waste. <laughs> but so top top six will just to you know say whatever. Top six, I think he could fit in a few different permutations there. Okay. And then, so top six, that makes sense. But do you, so do you think like, seems like what you're saying better fit is with Matthews than with John Tavares, assuming John Tavares is our second seed, right? So. I the, think he's like the the Leafs replacement for Michael Bunting. I'm not saying he's like one for one with Michael Bunting. Yeah. I like Bertuzzi better. I agree. I, don't, yeah. I think Michael Bunting has more speed, but Bertuzzi is a smarter player, better defensive player. Um, better playmaker than Michael Bunting, similar-ish in terms of goals ability, but yeah, better player than Michael Bunting. So where did Bunting fit best? Along, alongside those two, yeah. So, okay, that makes sense. And I've also seen, like, I think you touched on it for a second there, but I, I've seen, like, Nylander float around maybe on that line with Matthews and uh, Bertuzzi, assuming Matt, maybe. let's just, let's staple those two guys together. But do you think Nylander would be better than Marner? I think Marner would still be better on that line, though. Like just for me, yeah. Like I mean, remember they flipped it. The goals seem to work. The expected goals seem to go down a little bit. So, who knows? I mean, like line mates, you can get stale. So yeah. switching it up doesn't kill you. Exactly. I would say. Okay. And then my final yeah. thing here. So Bertuzzi actually played a lot of power play time in the playoffs mm-hmm. for the Bruins. Right? Was he was great. there. He was fourth in Taiwan ice on the power play. So that means he was playing pretty much PP one for them. Yeah. Um, so no, he was, he was, do you, I, I, I don't know exactly where he was playing there. I don't, I, I more net front. Was he on net front? So do you see net front kind of bumper? Do you see him potentially playing on the least power play power, power play one in particular? Uh, get barring injury. So what they could do is the same thing. What they did with O'Reilly. Remember? And how so they put did that Bertuzzi in O'Reilly I, I, spot. Yeah. Okay. My thing is though, I would just be like smarter with that. I I mean, remember last, like last playoffs, Nylander was getting hot. And then in the power play, even though they were very few and far between against the Panthers, frustratingly. So um, like there was times where you thought, okay, you should switch it up kind of thing, mm-hmm. get more speed through the neutral zone and whatever. And they didn't like, I think potentially he could fit where O'Reilly was, but I mean, to say he's replacing John Tavares, look, John Tavares was sixth in the league in power play points last season. You can't discount that. No. Right. And I I think that makes sense. I don't think he would replace Tavares, but again, like we're saying like Nylander, if, if Nylander were in his position versus Bertuzzi is Nylander maybe, or sorry, is Bertuzzi maybe more effective at that position than Nylander is. So then does that make sense for him to be on PP one? I don't know. We'll see. These are these are things we'll probably yeah, see. I would. I would still, training camp. Uh, yeah. If I if I were putting together the power play, I would do 
I would probably do Klingberg, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares. Bury, way to bury the lead on that one. Um, I know, but, sorry, but... <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Don't worry. We're going to, we're going to get around to that in, in a minute. So yeah, like that, that just about wraps up everything we want to touch on with Tyler Patuzzi's game. Baseball is back. And I know everyone wants to hit a home run, but you can't do that when your untrimmed bush is starting to look like Wrigley field, get your game on point with manscaped and you can start scoring on and off the field with their top notch grooming products trusted by 8 million men worldwide. Grab some Cracker Jacks, a hot dog, and the Lawnmower 4.0, and let's play ball. Don't forget to use code RINKRAT, R-I-N-K-R-A-T, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Moving off of Tyler Bertuzzi, though, we're going to go straight into, yeah, we're going to go straight into Max Domi, so... Same Domi. thing, kind of similar thing to Tyler Bertuzzi here, right? Domi signed a one-year, $3 million deal. He, he has a modified no-trade clause, 10-team no-trade clause. So if things don't go 100% as we expect them to go here, uh, we could see potentially Domi being moved, which is what I, I, I like that little modified no-trade clause because if you want to upgrade on him, it's very easy to do so, and you can move him out uh, if if the cap is an issue there. So that's a sneaky thing I like about his ga- about th- that deal. Um, I mean, what is there to say about Max Domi that hasn't already been said when it comes to the lease, man? Like he's literally like grown up with this organization. Mm-hmm. His dad literally played for the team, was one of the heart and souls of those early 2000 teams. Everybody loved them. Literally no way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean like a good fit for like fans, I guess, like for the casual fans oh, or like the content older fans. wise. Yeah. It's right going to be now, great content wise right now. It was crazy. Oh, just seeing all the pictures of them together. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, and. It, it, like just seeing him with Matt Sundin, it's just good stuff. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, like his game, his game was actually pretty good last year in the playoffs. He had 19 points or sorry, 10, put up 13 points numbers. in 19 games. Right? He wasn't, he was no Joe blow Schmo, right? He did pretty well for that Boston. He wasn't playing sorry, a huge Dallas huge Stars amount team. either. Exactly. So I believe it was a bottom six role for that Dallas team was effective, scored three goals, 10 assists. He's more of a playmaker anyway. So you expect him to uh, like be more of an assist guy. So, uh, where does he fit? Three on goals, team? and I think two of them were empty netters. Ah, okay, I didn't know that. But anyway, <laughs> hey, you know what? Points are points. Points are points. So, uh, again, yeah. ten assists. The though, one right? empty netter he got was like in the same game. Um, like it was a play where he was able to get it and get a wrap around, really good chance, and then just, um, I think it was Adam Larson at the last second like dove out on the empty net and blocked it. So he deserved that goal. So that, he should. Have, so he should have four net. goals then. But uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, so where where do you think he fits with this team, I guess? Uh, what what do you think? Do you think he fits in the top six here, or is he a bottom six guy? Is he going to play on the wing, or is he going to play center? What do you think? The more I dig into it, the more questions I have. Like, okay, good questions I or like, bad questions? Uh, like, questionable questions. Okay. Unfortunately. That's like, okay. I, I, I like Max Domi. I like his physical skills, and I like – there's certain things that he brings that the Leafs really uh, – like glaringly lacked last year. However, there are a lot of questions with his games. And when you look at all the player cards across the internet, you can see it's it's not a secret. His defensive numbers are pretty terrible, right? Um, in terms of Max Domi, like number one, him and Bertuzzi, Domi Bertuzzi, this is not 2001 anymore. If those guys, if Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi had Swedish last names, if they were Svensson and Edvinson, People wouldn't really be really be talking about the toughness. They're they're yappy, and they bring snot, as Tra- Brad Tree Living said. 
that's more of a correct term to it. They like to yap. They like to, you know, they like to talk a lot. They're not, they're not going to run someone through the boards though at all. Yeah. Right. So you got a couple of yappers, which is, can be entertaining in terms of Max Domi's game, where I see him with the Leafs. I thought for sure it was going to be on the wing. I was convinced like put up some good playoff numbers with Dallas, 13 points in 19 games, as you said, like was playing the wing there, but like positionally on the wing, it was really weird watching. It looked almost awkward, especially in his own zone. Like I feel like his play away from the puck needs a lot of improvement. Well, he's 27. I don't know how much it's going to be improved, not but a lot of time anyways, left. it's not. Yeah. Okay. 28 is not that old, please. What are we going to find? Are we picking out his retirement home already? No, but not a lot of time left to build that defensive. Yeah. You're not learning much into 20. your game. Yeah. yeah. Like... Anyways. So like I found when he was on the wing, he would kind of like bleed into the center ice position way too much. And then he would leave his boards. And then the puck would, you would miss the puck coming around the boards there. Like I found him just float, like kind of floating too much into the center ice and then losing his position totally um, at times there. And then I also saw Andrew Berkshire um, mentioned something as well. And I think shut at, at shutdown line on Twitter, good follow agreed as well. Like when he's playing the wing, like it's kind of awkward. He's not, it almost feels like he's not used to it. But then at center, he's not very strong defensively. So it's it's questions. Those are the the yeah. Those are the biggest. I have a so lot the... of questions where he's gonna fit. Okay. Unfortunately. So like if you can't put him with Nylander Tavares, I, that that line would just be an abomination defensively. Unfortunately, it would just be it would be terrible, right? Okay. Can you put him with Matthews Marner? Again, I have the questions about on the wing. Is that just Nick Ritchie? Is that a smaller 100 pounds less Nick Ritchie in that situation? Potentially, it actually is, unfortunately. So then third line, you put him third line. Who's he partnered with? Maybe Callie Yarncrock? Okay, Uh, that's that's something there. Maybe, say Matthew Nyes, but then who's playing top six? Uh, that's a question there too. Is it Bobby McMahon? Well, I'm not sure. So I have some questions about where he fits. I'd more so say third line center right now, if okay. I were to guess. Okay. Uh, I don't know. This is just an inclination I have in terms of the good parts of his game. Though, yeah, those are the to tough parts, right? <laughs> I unfortunately started with that. He like play away from the puck. He's not very smart. He does not scan enough. Play um he doesn't scan enough, I find, and that leads to his play away from the puck not being as effective as it could be. Okay. His physical skills, though, are pretty darn good. He's pretty he's fast and he's skilled, and his shot for his size is is not bad. Like you give him a little bit of time, he can beat the goalie from distance because he he gets some good velocity on it on his shot there. He can really he can really rip it, I would say. Um, but yeah, he, he also like the thing that I mentioned earlier, what he brings that the least lacked last season was some rush offense. I really like his passing ability through the neutral zone, his ability to carry the puck and enter the zone with the puck, I think is pretty good. Like with the puck, he's pretty darn good. I would say so. However, unfortunately away from the puck, it's a bit of another story. And then like his cycle offense, 
I'm not sure how great it is. I do. I will give him credit here. His playmaking ability with the puck is pretty darn good. Um, he can. I like the way he's able to take the puck from low danger areas, and like he, his saucer ability is incredible. His saucer <laughs> ability, his ability to get it through high danger areas to other sides into space. His ability to pass the puck into high danger areas is really good as well. Um, with the puck, he seems just very poised because he handles the puck so well and he's able to fit it through seams really well. Just away from the puck, I have some questions. And and I think with all of this being said, I think the big thing with Max Domi is then fit. When you look at his career too, like look at everything. Stellar rookie season. Fell off a bit in his second season. I don't know if he got a third season with the Coyotes. If he did, it was pretty mid. I can't remember. Goes to Montreal. 72 points with Montreal. That's a hell of a season. Next season after that, 44 points. Drops a little bit. Okay. Then gets traded to Columbus. Has an abysmal season with Columbus. Then the next season, steps it up a little bit. Plays a little bit better with Columbus. Gets traded to Carolina. Does okay there. He's only playing like fourth line, whatever. And then signs last season with Chicago, gets paired with Patty Kane, and it goes about as Patty Kane-ish as you can imagine. Terrible defensive numbers, but put up 40 points in 60 games, whatever, with Chicago, and then goes to Dallas. Get some decent line mates there, I would say, at times. From what I was watching, I saw some Marchman in there, saw some Sagan, you know, so I saw a little bit of Jamie Benn here and there, and does pretty well in the playoffs. So, I think fit is going to be really important here and it's going to take a lot of different variations to figure out where he fits in my opinion. So I honestly, I'm going to cut you off right here. I think I disagree with you here. I think you, I don't, I don't know if you realize it, but I think you listed the perfect winger and I understand you said you had him listed potentially as a center, but I think you have the perfect winger for our third line. If you have David yeah. camp and Callie Yarncrook on that third line, I think that's a perfect winger for them because again, those are two, like David Camp, we obviously know is incredibly defensively responsible. Cali Yarncrook is not the 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 best defensive def- defensive forward out there, but he's responsible enough in his own zone. Both guys are able to help in the transition game. And if okay. if if Max Domi can be more positionally sound on the wall, like you said, I don't think he's going to be that much of a liability in his own zone. Mind you, remember he's been like you said four different teams in the last three years. That can't be easy when you're grasping systems. I know that's their job, but when you're playing for a team like Columbus, we're taking playing for a team like Chicago, you probably, you're going to lose the game regardless. You don't care if you're going to get scored on. You want to put up as many points as possible. So hopefully that mindset shift happens and uh, hopefully he's going to be more responsible in our own zone. He's going to be smarter. Yeah, exactly. But when, but what was, what, which two players worked really well with David camp, uh, Ilya Mikheyev and uh, oh. Pierre Engvall, right? Both guys, I mean, they're different style of games. They're both pretty, they're very good defensively, but they both have that rush offense, right? And that's what we're kind of missing. So that for that third line, that'd be perfect right there to inject that rush offense. Go ahead. Okay, so they, I actually do agree. I, I, that is something I didn't consider. Yeah. That is something I did not consider there. I like that idea. So then in such case, Maxim is probably not going to be a 60-point guy with the Leafs because... Chicago was just such a tire fire. He was getting first power play, first everything. Like He's not going to get that with the Leafs. He's going to be closer to 40 points. And then hopefully you can cover up that defensive blemish there. Okay. I I can I can see that. I, I can roll with that. And then your t- other two wingers could be then Matthew Nyes and Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, and the in top the six. Upper, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. The, only, 
Only thing I worry about there is that second line is still slow, but maybe to start the season, maybe they test out Max Domi on that line. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but if, if you get Matt, Matt, it would be nice, in my opinion, on the second line if you yeah. do Tavares Nylander. And if you get Matthew Nyes to learn how to hold his stick property in the neutral zone, properly in the neutral zone, then you can get some more speed through that. Yeah. And if anyone thinks we're like, make it, we, we love Matthew nice here. He just has the, the weirdest habit of flipping a stick over. We're not, we're not like chirping him. He's a great no, player. Really. It's just like the simplest fakes that like, just will take a half second off your game and you need that half second in the pros. So he holds his blade upside down. When he's, <laughs> like when he, when he's about to get the puck, this blades upside down and then he has to flip it and it takes a half second. And it's, it's kind of like when you're juggling a tennis ball with a tennis racket, but then someone throws another ball at you. Like takes some time you have to, to it takes a little bit of adjusting. It's just stick on the ice, please. Exactly. So, <laughs> so to, to wrap up Max Domi here, obviously great offensive player has playmaking ability, which is why part of the reason also why I see him working with that third line. Yarnker can score. I mean, Dave, I'm not going to say David camp can score, but at least he, uh, he scored 10 goals yeah. before nine goals, five goals, whatever you, you can, you can shoot the puck and yeah. bury. Um, Domi's uh, probably closer to a 15 goal guy. I think 20 was a little, a little high, high for, him. for him. Yeah, but yeah. I could see I see him more as a creator on that line anyway. So with yeah. all the, with all his uh with, so he has that offensive uh efficiency. Now his deficiencies struggles in his own zone. We see that potentially David Camp can cover that up along with Callie Arncrook. Maybe that's the outlook for the line. If I don't know, you let us know if you think uh, yeah. if you think that's the right, yeah. right combination. The defense together. is real. Like I I there are times where you have to criticize the no, oh, he was on a bad team, whatever. No, there was times where it was just like, he's just not looking. That's right. And they put it right behind him. And it was like, oh, oops, whoop. Listen, like if, you're, if you're playing on a third line, you put up 40 points, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that yeah, any day sure. of the week. So uh, David Camp can can cover some things up. That way. You know, exactly. you brought up something I did not consider at all. Uh, good on you. Exactly. Um, so moving on yeah. from any, any more touch, any more from there? Or you want, you want to that was all. No, right, that moving... was, I think we covered him pretty good. All right. Moving on to Klingberg then, obviously uh, the one that oh. move on. Um, was it Monday, Sunday? I don't even know. Whatever. On July 1st, July uh, one on July it was 1st, him and Reeves, yeah. yeah, that people were not too happy about Uh, similar thing to Max Domi one year by $4.15 million. The modified no trade clause, which is the key here, 10 teams. And this is more so for Klingberg than Domi. But like I said before, if he doesn't work out, ship them out. Like you can do, I'm, I could see a playoff team that would easily want a guy like Klingberg who doesn't have that ability. Maybe a team that'll miss out on Goss's pair this off season here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said four, ga- four games in the playoffs, four points from Minnesota was in and out of the lineup, right? Yeah. He was hurt a bit. Uh, I mean, we saw what he did previous seasons, but last year was just brutal with him in Anaheim. Like good thing. He was, fired his agent because yeah. uh, that was the biggest mistake of his career. He should have gone term, didn't get term, but, I mean, he, not only he was, that, why are you going to Anaheim? It's crazy. They just it's had crazy. a bunch of John, Cle- like they had a bunch of offensive defensemen there and then they yeah, just added another one. It was like, okay, but who's going to be yeah. playing defense here? It, it's crazy. But we we've seen him play well before, right? If you take like, this isn't fair to say, but again, like look past the Anaheim year, his last three years in Dallas. Yeah. His, his defensive game wasn't the best there, but he was an elite offensive producer, right? If he can even come close to that, I think this is an invaluable signing for the Leafs. And on top of that, Really good puck mover, right? We're pretty much exchanging Justin Hall, who I think a lot of people didn't like his puck movement abilities in our own zone. We're exchanging that and we're replacing him, it seems like, with John Klingberg. Now, where he fits in the lineup, I'm not sure yet, right? What his role be, I'm not sure yet. You watched a little bit of John Klingberg. Uh, Tell us more about his game. Yeah. Um, 
I'm very curious to see where they fit him in there. The defensive weaknesses are real. Like, you know how we've talked about it before, Morgan Riley's gap control. He's got about a Morgan Riley gap control. Okay. Okay. Well, we it's not because he can't skate backwards. He's a much better backwards skater than Morgan Riley. It's just really weird because like the rush will come in and he'll just like stand there, won't challenge the guy, and he'll just like get ready as if he's playing second goalie at the top of the circles. It's like, what are, what are you doing here to like the, the rush is good. Why are you giving him so much space and then just stopping like dead in your tracks there? It's he really struggles to angle guys off of the rush in his own end. He's very weak. Like I, I'm telling, I think I could take him in front of the net. He's pretty darn weak. He tries, he tries very hard, but he's pretty darn weak. And a guy, I think I saw Jason Robertson just, just dummy him in front of the net at one point. Um, on top of that, at times tries to do way too much with the puck in his own end. So that's where the defensive numbers are really going to take a hit. Like the turnovers in his own end, the weird-ass gap control, not a very strong player in front of his net. He can prod the puck free, though, so he can kind of get himself the puck. Um, and on top of that, he makes he's a phenomenal passer, like in terms of slip passes through guys in the defensive zone to the, the forward on the wall there, his ability to then skate the puck up, his ability to join the rush. Like his skating is so, so smooth. His edges are beautiful. His ability to drag the puck along the blue line is phenomenal. He's such a good skater. I think this is a testament to it. He was playing left side. He's a right shot defenseman. He was playing left side for the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs and didn't look, he looked like John Klingberg out there on the left side. Like you have to be a pretty darn good skater to be able to do that. Um, One weird, weird thing when they chip the puck in, He's good at like, okay, he watches the play. The puck goes behind him. He watches the play, watches the play, scans on what's going on out there. But then like at times I felt like he was doing it too long and then just completely lost where the puck was behind him. When he turned around, he was like, oh, that the puck's not there. Where Where is it? And then lost it and they went in for a chance. I was like, it's a quick, it's a quick scan. And then you got to, the puck's most important there. But, but phenomenal hands, phenomenal skater. I love the way he ran the power play too. It got a lot of movement going there too. Sometimes you get the Leafs power play gets a little stale. I think that would, that would really, really help it out. Um, He can put up like 10 plus goals, which is pretty good for a defenseman. The last one, no, no defenseman got over six goals for the Leafs last year. So that'll be a big help. But in terms of like what the Leafs defense, when you look at the playoffs last year, especially in the, the Florida series, even in the Tampa series, it was very prevalent too. A lot of turnovers in our own end because the, our, the Leafs defense was not fast at all. We had a pretty slow decor. And so at times they struggled to pass the puck out. I think John Klingberg brings some good speed. Unfortunately, does not bring any defensive ability. So you're going to have to shelter him there or you're not going to have a good time. I, I would like to see him on power play one though. Like, Regardless of what we just saw from Riley in the playoffs, I think he brings a lot that the Leafs power play has been yearning for there. I have seen Kevin Papetti. Uh, we've had him on the show. Guest of the show was saying this is kind of like a Tyson Berry acquisition from years past. I kind of struggle to disagree with that, unfortunately. But possibly, I mean, Tyson Berry, they brought him in. He was supposed to play top four. Maybe they were top two, actually. He was supposed to play 20-plus minutes. 
maybe they bring Klingberg in and they know, okay, you got to shelter this guy a little bit, right? Yeah. Because he's not getting any stronger. Like, let's get real. Yeah, the only pushback I have on that is that I don't think our decor was as good, if I remember correctly, as it is right now, right? Maybe I'm wrong on the... What do you mean? I, I oh, feel when? like we have... Oh, when the Leafs... Got when the Leafs Tyson got Barry? Tyson Berry, I feel oh, like no, the, it was uh, it was the, it was horrible. The pieces around it are better now, so I think yes, a rising so tide, that. rising tide raises all ships, right? So yeah, maybe I I, I don't disagree with like the well, actually no, you got Jake type. Muzzin, so you had Muzzin, Morgan Brody. Riley, uh, no Brody, no Brody at okay. that time. Muzzin, Morgan, Muzzin Riley. Morgan Riley, uh, Tyson Berry, Hall. Cody CC, Justin Hall. Martin Marinson, and, I'm pretty and sure. Is it Martin Marinson? I'm, so. I'm, we might be missing one, but who cares? Yeah. Anyways, so uh, it didn't get off to a hot start. I'll tell you that for free, especially who we, when they didn't have Muzzin. Listen, if we can't remember them, then they're probably not that good, right? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I agree with what you're saying though. In the Tyson Berry thing, similar, similar play style, similar players, but I think Klingberg has a better track record of being an offensive defenseman than was it Tyson Travis Dermott. Dermot, it was Dermot, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Klingberg probably has a better track record, and again, like you said, I think the biggest thing is the goal scoring ability. He had, yeah. I think, four of the last five seasons, he had ten goals or was on pace for ten goals, and I'm counting those COVID years as on pace because, like, I'm sorry, fifty games doesn't really count. But um, yeah. So again, and and I think the biggest I think the biggest difference this makes is on the power play one. I like I yeah. love Morgan Riley's game in the playoffs. He looked fantastic, but I still think there was issues with power play one. His ability to pass the puck on the point is nowhere near as good as John Klingberg was. I I've wa- I remember watching John Klingberg one or two years ago and and being fascinated with how he like you said how he handles the puck across mm-hmm. the top of the blue line. It's it's magic. It's wizardry. He's one of the also, better players in the NHL at doing that. Fitting pucks like along dragging along the blue line, throwing it through a screen like through seams. And yeah. just trying to get it through space like that, like like a, like what Jake Gardner used to do. Exactly, and he's so he, he's an aggressive passer. He's a Pretty smart good. passer, and he's quick. That's the biggest thing is that it's it's very quick, very yeah. snappy, and he's always moving. Morgan yeah. Riley tends to sometimes would get on skates on the on the or sorry get on skis on the on the point, and and not create movement. Which is, again, it's not mm-hmm. not criticizing him, but it, it, like if we want our power play to be elite and take that next step. I think adding a guy like Klingberg was that next step. Wow. So we touched on on his power play ability, but like the power play is already <laughs> yeah, no, of course. But like if we want to make it better, right? We want to be we want to have All the best worldly. team in the league. So it, yeah, that's what we have. That's I think the the key thing for us uh, to do here. But fit in the lineup. So we talked about his game at, at, in his own zone struggles a bit. We talked about his power play ability. Where does he fit? You you I think you kind of hinted towards him as like a thirty. Do you think that's like the yeah. three R D, so or then, do you think he's top four? What do you think? So then the pairings would have to be something like if you go back to Riley Brody, McCabe, Logren, and then Giordano, Klingberg, something like that. Like, I'm afraid they're gonna pl- overplay him, and then it's gonna be like, oh boy, and then you know, uh, in the playoffs, like having two heavy offensive defensemen with defensive deficiencies in your top four. And especially guys that can't really that struggle to kill the the cycle, you know, kill the cycle, suppress shots like that. Like that's gonna be, it's gonna be tough if you have both those guys in the top four. But then again, like I mentioned, like Lilgren instead of him in the top four. Like how well does Lilgren really do that? Well, 
it's getting better. I hope. So yeah. we, we hope for the progression there, but one thing I'd push back yeah. on there is for the playoffs is that Morgan Riley did got to give him credit, did play well defensively in the playoffs, did do things that we weren't normally accustomed to seeing him do in the playoffs was better <laughs> at breaking up the cycle was decent in front of the net gap control was still an issue, but seemed like there was less opportunities for that in general, for those rush chances where it was just him back there. So maybe, maybe we can make this work if they're in the top four together yeah. or maybe not. And one last thing I want to touch on. I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't put them together. That'd be... Yeah, no, no, that's, that's just pure chaos, but Hey, you know what? You're down two goals, two minutes left in the game, throw those two guys out there with a the big four. And I think you got a pretty good thing. You got a pretty pure chaos, cocaine, driving a motorcycle out of a building oh, yeah. on cocaine, shooting guns. Like that's the type of offense. We're probably going to see there forever in a six on five situation. But last thing I want to touch on is I, I don't even know if this guy's going to be on the team, but could you see him play lefty with Connor Timmons? Is that like a thing or no? I would, there would have to be a lot of injuries, <laughs> okay. but who knows? Fair there was a lot of injuries last year. Exactly. You know? and, and the we one thing in... a lot of people said, Oh, we had Eric Gustafson. What was the difference? Eric Gustafson signed for 800 K. What was the difference? Blah, blah, blah. Gustafson is way more chaotic out there. Gustafson plays pond hockey. It seems like he's just bat midfield back forth. Can't skate backwards either. Like Gustafson in order to, uh, to create offense had to play a lot more dangerously. I think John Klingberg can produce it more organically. Not that he doesn't like to jump into the rush. He loves to jump up into the rush. However, like, as we mentioned, getting pucks through screens, um, making a guy miss through the neutral zone, whatever. Like that's where John Klingberg is a lot better than Eric Gustafson. And also Gustafson had one good 60 game sample size with Washington. Like that doesn't all of a sudden make him all worldly defense, offensive yeah. defenseman. So exactly. I, I mean, like it's pretty clear the proven track record that John yeah. Klingberg has. So I'm happy with the signing. I know some people weren't, but I mean, let us know if you, it's okay. If like. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it fits. There's, it yeah. brings something, but then it also takes away something. So. Exactly. There's going to be a ton of other moving parts this offseason. So if you like the deal, you let us know. Um, moving on from there, we got the the most fun deal, I think, that we we, we made in the signing on July the 1st. Fun. The first deal on July 1st. I think the first of any deal that was reported, almost yeah. confirmed. That was confirmed the night of, uh, night the, the night before July 1st. And that was Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves signed a... The Grim three, Reaver. <laughs> I love that. Three-year deal. Uh, one point three five million dollar uh deal for three years. Uh, biggest thing is that he is a thirty five plus contract. He signed at thirty six years old, so this is going to be his thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight season. Not not the youngest dude, not the most spry chicken, as the the kids like to say. But uh, I mean, were you able to watch him at all, or or uh, were you were you just kind of pass on him? I think we know the type of player he's going to be. He's going to be a fourth, fourth line, line player, right? What are your thoughts on the re-signing in general, though? Fourth line, chip and chase probably shouldn't be in the lineup in playoffs um can protect your guys if needed and if he's out the on the ice out there at the the same time i mean like the big issue i have it's like oh people are like clapping for it oh we got ryan reeves this is really gonna add like character in the locker room sure that does add something but however like protecting your stars like did we not go through this with clifford and simmons if they're not on the ice, how are they supposed to protect them? It's 10-game suspension. Unless they're willing to – hey, Ryan Reeves, you're going to take a 10-game suspension anytime you see Austin Matthews get touched out there. Then sure, I think this signing is well worth it. Um, actually, only four fights last year, I believe. So not fighting as much. Throwing the body a lot. Um, 
But, I mean, yeah, this is your 12th, 13th forward, in my opinion, that shouldn't be in the lineup in playoffs. I mean, just there were so many times in the playoffs when he was in the lineup with Minnesota or the Rangers where the puck gets just, just gets stuck in in their own end when he's out there, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Other than physicality, I'm not too sure what he really brings. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, there's not really much for me to say about him. I think the physicality is obviously the biggest factor here. But yeah, like I, I mean, again, if he if he makes people think a half second before they go and step in on and uh, make a big hit on a guy like Matthew Nyes or or if Nick Robertson's the lineup and that's the case, like I don't hate it. Um, I mean, we we don't really know what goes on in the locker room, I and mean, a lot of people are seem to like that aspect of it. And I think that was a big thing that Reeves mentioned in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what Trey Living mentioned too. In the trade set, like there, he was on TSN Trade Center for an interview, and I think that was a big piece. So, I mean, if that that helps, if that helps build the community in the room, I I think that's a great addition. Um, we mentioned this before, but his deal is variable up to two hundred k. So if we if shit hits the fan, we don't like how he plays, we bury him in the minors. It's only two hundred k on the cap hit. So I think while he, I don't know, while it, we're skeptical to see if he has a lot of game left on the ice, regardless of his toughness. Like we're talking about actual game, 200 foot game. We don't know yeah. if it's really there, but he had 15 it, points last year. Yeah. If it, if it's not there, the worst case scenario is that you send him down to the minors for 200 K on the cap. And that's really not that. Didn't big he score two goals against the Leafs two years ago with the Rangers? Maybe. I don't know. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Everyone likes to score goals against the Leafs. It feels like, but, um, but yeah, so I guess I think, I think the biggest thing for him is that I think he's going to help us out. Uh, off the ice, which is good. And there, I think he's going to bring that calming presence in the locker room and on the ice that will kind of intimidate people. And, and I think that's kind of the theme with the three forwards that we signed this offseason. That they're like, like you said, more snot per 60 or snot per 60 is through the roof right now. So, um, exactly. last w- one question before we go here is I'm going to put an injury clause well, on. We it got if- one more other thing you missed. We signed Dylan Gambrell. This is the first time I've ever seen NHL.com roster and NHL.com roster break a signing because none of the insiders had it. Nobody had announced it. And Dylan Gambrell appeared on the Leafs roster on NHL.com. That's hilarious. That is, I love that. They signed him one year, league minimum, played 60 games last year with Ottawa. Two. I- three points in his last four games or something like that, but only like 10 all year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's probably going to be with the Marlies. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I don't know. I'm going to quickly disagree with you on that. I think he might be playing with the big club and be like a 13th forward and probably be the stop gap, the stop, the little barrier in between the Leafs and Pontus Holmberg. One thing that he did a lot of for Ottawa was play a lot of penalty kill time. We lost yeah. two or th- like we, we lost Achari and Ryan O'Reilly were our two biggest penalty killers behind Matthew or sorry behind Marner and yeah. Lafferty can uh, penalty kill Lafferty can penalty kill we haven't seen him do it for the Leafs so that's the only thing yeah and then Ker- Kerfoot was the guy who was killing penalties behind those two guys mm-hmm. in the season so uh that's kind of what I see him as just simply a PK replacement here for um the Leafs um but yeah just quick on that nothing really yeah if your fourth line though is Pontus Holmberg Dylan Gambrell and Ryan Reeves yeah yeah, okay. So they play five minutes, doesn't matter. As long as they don't as long as they don't get scored on, doesn't matter. So um yeah, moving on from there, like listen, we had what was it, four four big signings, one minor signing, and uh it was busy busy free agents. Oh, Will Lagason as well. He used to be with the Oilers. It's a very, very small signing, two two way deal. Yeah. Uh, just, that's just had to bring that up. Sorry. Yeah, that's 
that no that's fine that's more of a marley deal i think right i don't know uh, yeah, um yeah. but yeah anyways um so for living had a pretty busy july 1st july 2nd signed four mm-hmm. guys five guys six four four major guys let's call it that uh and now we're kind of in a i don't want to say sticky situation because the cap does not matter in the off season right you can exceed the cap by 10 percent in the off season but it will matter in the coming months when the season starts so right now as we are on this podcast recording uh the night of july 5th uh the Leafs are eight million dollars over the cap. You take you take away that five point six two five million cap hit from Jake Muzzin. The Leafs are now three point two million dollars over the cap. What are the Leafs going to do? What are we going to do here? We have to move someone out, right? We also have Elias Samson upcoming. He's an RFA. We don't know what his deal is going to be, but we assume it's probably going to be close to the something like maybe what Matt Murray got, maybe. Uh, Nadelkovic yeah. from pra- from the past years when there's there's Nadelkovic and the other uh, I'm forgetting their names now. Billy Uso, Billy three Uso, years, four seven five, somewhere in that range. We're probably looking at that. So, how are the Leafs going to clear cap space here this offseason? Who are the biggest names that you've seen floating around in terms of clearing cap space? Yeah. I mean, obviously Matt Murray. Yeah, maybe move out Muzzin's contract as well. I'm not sure to where or how you will be able to do that. I mean, in terms of one year, 4.6875 million, how much is that worth? Uh, so yeah. Like, I wonder, can like, can he just like go on LTIR? Maybe it seems like um, the way that they're operating, it seems like they're just, they're just going to stick them on LTIR. You know, you know how I've been about this. I've been super skeptical about, how they're gonna uh you, you, like pull that simply because the guy was on our bench for the playoffs, yeah. right? He was our backup goalie. Less Joffrey Lupo was ago. on record saying he's ready for training camp. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But I think that's different <laughs> because it's from the outside looking in, right? The the NHL would probably be more mm-hmm. I don't know what the right word is, but more stickler yeah. about that, right? Because like, Johnny Boychuk was being shopped right before he, he suddenly had to retire. Same with uh, yeah, I think similar thing to Mike Smith. Too, Brent you know? Seabrook was ready to ready and yeah. warring to go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that that could that could easily be a possibility there. But like, let's say, let's say we it's, sign. Yeah, yeah, it's a pipe dream in my opinion. Yeah, but Just, uh, you gotta hope. I mean, regardless, if we sign Samsonov, like we're three, we're currently three mil over the cap with, uh, with um, sorry, Jake uh, Muzzin on Jake LTIR. Muzzin on, L- on LTIR. So if we sign. I don't know if we sign Sansoff for we're saying for three for four and a half. We're still three mil over, even if yeah. we put uh, Murray on LTR. So that means send, uh, that means someone else would probably have to go. Is there anyone like anyone else you've heard you've heard uh, be be talked about at all? Or no one really. I like I've heard TJ Brody's name floated out there, but that's just like uh, that's not actual information. It's a lot of speculation. And when you look at it, like it's a five, it's five million dollars, right? Like, who else's salary that is of importance? Uh, like, who else is uh, that? Can you move out for that much money? There isn't really anyone. Like, when you look at it, like the highest paid guys: Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander. You're not moving any of those guys. Uh, Tavares has a, a full no move clause as well. You cannot move him. 
right? Morgan Riley, full no move clause, can't move him. Uh, John Klingberg, you just signed. Jake McCabe only makes $2 million. Logan only makes 1.4. Timmons only makes 1.1. Giordano only makes 800K. Kind of leaves TJ Brody, who was debatably one of your best defensemen last year, which sucks, but it's the only guy. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe John Tavares starts the season on LTIR. I've n- like this is a really tough cap situation. Yeah. And I, I think TJ Brody makes the most sense to deal number number wise and term wise because again, he only has that one year, one year left. left on his deal and he makes but the then most who money- plays top. Right side. Like if you're right side, you go into the season, it's Klingberg, Timmons, and Logren. We we were exactly where we were when we had uh I probably are in a better situation Tyson than Barry. Tyson Barry, yeah. So I mean the forward group's definitely better. That helps. The goalies, I mean, yeah. it depends what you think about Samsonov compared to Anderson. And I guess who was that? I think it was Garrett Sparks back boy. Wow. Um well no, it was Hutchinson that season was it huh? Was it hot? Maybe it was. I think it started oh. out Sparks and then it went to Hutchinson. But that yeah, was like Sparks was the year before. Oh, okay. Remember because they went into the playoffs and he's like, "I'll be ready for next year." And they're like, "We still have nope. playoffs." And he's like, "Oh, I mean, I, I'll be ready if they call me." And then like they cleared out his locker. They're like, "Okay, this is not working." <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but yeah. So I mean, of all the guys to get moved, I think TJ Brody makes the no- most sense. Unless like this is them preparing for like a Nylander move, because I mean, if you sign, so I, sorry, I was wrong about the cap space. I had, uh, I had uh, Nicholas Robertson still on the roster. So actually, they have two, two, two point four mil. Uh, they're two point four mil over the cap, uh, without, uh, without signing Ilya Samsonov. So, um, signing Ilya Samsonov to three or four, I mean, that's like right in range for Nylander money. So maybe this is what they're preparing for. Um, I don't know, but I saw people saying like to maybe trade Jake Muzzin and just want to let people know that that doesn't affect the cap at all. Right. It's like a, a null move. The only like mm-hmm. Jake Muzzin would be an asset to a team like the Arizona Coyotes who are looking to hit the cap floor and don't want to pay real dollars because his salary, his AAV counting towards the cap is greater than the amount of money he needs to be paid out by the team. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't just like, we're not looking to jump dump Jake Muzzin. That's not something that the Leafs would want to do. He's actually probably an asset to a team like that. So um, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about LTIR, but what uh, about, talk to could me. you acquire Brent Seabrook's contract? Doesn't make a difference. Help? Doesn't make a difference. No, okay. doesn't make a difference. No. Uh, Cause the, the, when the guy's on LTIR, that just means you can exceed the cap by the guy being on LTIR, but the guy on LTIR, his, amount also counts towards the cap. So if you acquired Brent Seabrook who makes let's just say he makes uh, six mil, you're now able to go you're over gonna the, be able to go over by six point eight five seven five. But he makes that but so you're already over that. Six, yeah. Exactly. So um the only um, time that really works is when you have a guy who's gonna be coming back for the playoffs like you saw what Vegas did, like you saw what Tampa Bay did. Then it's effective because you're able to use those guys uh in the playoffs without them essentially counting towards your cap hit. So that's that's effect. That's where it's effective. How did that's Vegas get out of cap hell like five years in a row? I don't know. They they're just. What uh, did they do? One year they traded for Shea Weber. I can't remember. Yeah, for did for Dadonov. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. They did a lot of stuff. They did, like we talked about this last last podcast. They dumped Schmidt. They dumped guys. They just dumped guys at the right time and weren't afraid to use assets to get rid of contracts if it meant that it would make the team better this year, which is yeah, like which ended up working for them in the long run. So. um I kind of flirted with this idea as we were talking about it. 
with like what their direction the Leafs are going to go in. But it sounds like Nylander just moving over to William Nylander and like the, the expectation of his contract coming up. I mean, what, what are we going to do with this guy? Like, right. Cause I, I want him to stay on the team, but it sounds like a lot of the insiders, I think it was Chris Johnson talking on the Steve Dingle podcast network uh, that he's expecting upwards of $10 million, like greater than $10 million. He thinks he's a $10 million and greater player. So, I mean, do you see a fit with this team at $10 million for William Nylander? Do you think that's a realistic number for him? Um, and if so, like, would you be Kevin Papetti kind of hinted at it with our interview with him almost a month ago. Now he, he didn't sound like he was comfortable giving Nylander eight. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but like nine years at eight, eight years, sorry, $9 million at eight years term. I can't imagine he'd be anywhere near comfortable giving him $10 million at eight, seven year term. So what if, the number is 10. What term are you comfortable with? And is Nylander a fit for this team at $10 million? Not talking about the player, right? The contract matters in this situation. Is he a fit here at that number? The issue is, like, unless you trade him, like, if you lose him for nothing, like... Yeah, you can't lose him for nothing. I, I think that's a problem. If you right? lose him for nothing, then next offseason, you're going to have to go big fish hunting, yep. which you're going to have to do that probably with like a 29, 30-year-old guy, and that shrinks your window but a little bit, I would say. Slight pushback. And does, is the guy as good as Nylander? I'm not sure. Sh- like, probably not. Slight pushback here. Ooh. Nylander is going to be 29 next year. So, uh, 28. 28. Sorry, yeah, yes. 28. 28 so, next year. So, okay, I mean, yeah, I one, you, one last I, I year. I meant 30. Okay, we'll say yeah, fair, 30, fair, a 30-year-old guy yeah. next season. So then that kind of shrinks your window a little bit. And is the player as good? I'm not too sure. Am I comfortable giving Nylander nine and a half? Or 10, sorry. Does he fit at 10? Um, I understand the cap hmm. goes up just to fill the space here. I'll let you ponder on Five, this. Five, yeah. Cap is expected to go up, and we talked about it. it might go up for years, right? But yeah, for me at least, just to just to cut kind of interject here, it feels yeah, a little yeah. rich to me because, I mean, if you expect, listen, I I'm not the guy who's on the ice, uh, coach. I'm not the guy on the bench coaching the team. But if you have your coach playing him on power play too, if you have him playing 18 minutes a night. I mean, is that mm-hmm. is that someone who you would pay ten million dollars? That doesn't seem right to me, right? If you think is that you, a coach that you want, I don't know. Again, like that that deci- but here's the thing: that decision's already made, right? Kind of, I kind of dislike the coach. That's... Fair enough, but uh, we got to we got to work with what we have right now, right? We can't just you can fire the coach, you can't that's, fire the that's, player. That's true. You can, yeah, fair enough, very true. Right? But I'm just, I mean, I'm just looking at Matt Barzell, nine point one five. Matt Barzell last season, although plays with a far inferior team. To William Nylander, I mean, Barzell hit 85 points once, and that was one, two, three, four, five, like six years ago. So at 10, my cutoff is like nine and a half, but what's nine and a half to 10? Yeah. There's, and then am the I accounting right? for the cap going up? What's the cap situation? But then what's Matthews looking for? In this assumption, what's Matthews looking for? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Matthews is like, it seems like the team knows what Matthews wants. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, they haven't come to a, term, a, a deal yet, but 
Did you, was it you that heard something like 14? Yeah, I thought I heard 14 by five, but that might be wrong. And if that's the case, then I think there's no chance you can keep Nylander here. There just simply isn't isn't a way. There's no number. Like, how does that work? Right? Um, It's a tough decision. What At what number do you let such a good player go? And where do you send them where you can recoup something equivalent it's such a loaded question because then you have to go roster searching and see like could you pry this guy from this team kind of thing like who could have guessed that that florida well other than that one random guy on youtube who could have guessed that florida trade it's almost impossible how about this uh how about i pose you this this question would you be comfortable let's say let's say you trade him for picks picks and prospects right that's what we get back from nylander do you think this team can make the playoffs assuming i mean you got to assume we would get like uh, a roster player at six mil. Like when you open up six mil in cap space, like you're assuming you get a roster player, but let's operate under the assumption that we keep Matt Murray, right? We keep Elias Samson up and the, the money that we dump is essentially William Nylander. We get picks for him. We get prospects for him. Do you think this roster can make the playoffs without William Nylander? I think can they make the playoffs? Cause I think Nylander? that's the big question. If you're in, if you can do that, you can make the playoffs. Then you have a boatload of assets to. I mean, also though, to- I, I will say this: like just because a team that made the last playoff spot and went all the way to the Cup final, like it's very, very unlikely. Like you need to be competitive, right? Is this team so competitive? That's where, is it competitive without Nylander? Yeah. All else held the same. Is it competitive without Nylander? I would say no. Okay, I, I think I think this team would be able to compete without Nylander. Maybe people don't like that. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll get roasted. Maybe I'll get roasted for this. Who knows? But I think that this team can still can still easily make the playoffs without William Nylander. Uh and I think if you were to again, maybe I'm gonna get roasted for this. I don't know. Uh but I think also maybe if you I mean, if you if you get assets for him, like picks and prospects, you could probably turn those picks and, and prospects into really good players You'd at the trade deadline, right? Like You'd that that that'd that. be the like that'd be the idea, right? But then are you then you're missing you, that elite scoring, and can you make it up in aggregate and depth scoring? Like, who knows? I don't know. Again, like when you're looking at players, my thing is like Nylander can create offense. He can create offense on his own. He's a top six guy that can create an offense on his own. There aren't many guys that can do that. Two 40-point guys is real like for an 80-point guy, or even like a 50, two 50-point guys for an 80-point guy is really dicey because a lot of 50-point guys can't create offense on their own. They're just in really good positions. And it's really dependent on the role you put them in. Right? Yeah. Like you put Konechny with Tavares and Callie Yarncrock or whatever. They had Kerfoot there for a long time, right? Is he going to put up a point a game? I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Konechny to make that decision. So that's where, like, I'm not just at a cutoff point of Nylander wants X, let him walk. And you get picks and prospects back. Because, you know, I don't know. Maybe the like, even if it's like Lucas Raymond, and you send him to Detroit, and you get Lucas get... Raymond back, yeah. 
then are you competitive? Are you that confident in Lucas Raymond making a jump from being a point in every other game or a six? What was he last year? 40 some odd points. Not sure. He's a young player though. He's very, very young still. So there's potential there, but how much potential is there? 45 points in 74 games, 57 the year before. Hmm. So then are you comfortable if it's Lucas Raymond plus, plus, plus picks and prospects and whatever? Are you then comfortable? Like, I think the Leafs could make the playoffs there. Will they be deadly? Will they be a cup favorite? A cup favorite? Absolutely not. How much damage could they do? Uh, That's where, like, I I think people underestimate, like, we pay $40 million to the top four, whatever, forwards. But there's but a reason. Like there's a there's <laughs> a good. freaking good. reason for that. Yeah, and that's also part of the reason why it's so hard to come up with these like fake trades with players. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of why I brought up picks and prospects, because like it's so impossible. Cause again, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get equal value for William Nylander. You won't. And uh, and yeah. again, these are all just hypothetical scenarios. I don't know what's best. I just don't know. Honestly, like how comfortable are you just walking them to free agency? Like I, I maybe I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we shouldn't trade them for picks. Maybe that's better. That's the best option here. So here's the thing with that. Like it's, it's very, very dicey. Of course. It's very, very dicey, but it is, it's to me, it's a legitimate option because you're ruining, like, would you rather ruin a full important ass year of this core's window or actually just like shutting the door on this core's window by trading him for a less effective roster player and pick some prospects that will help you in the future. Or are you letting just better off letting it play out and rolling the dice that he resigns? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And the and issue also, is like, we've seen Lewis gross is very, is a very aggressive agent. He's yeah. He's done this before. So, and it's funny cause he obviously for living is going to say that this stuff doesn't matter, but he was, he was the same agent for Johnny Gaudreau. And when the <laughs> clock at 11.59, all signs were pointing to Gaudreau staying. And then 11.59.30 seconds. Yeah, we're out of here. We're actually going to Columbus. So For less seen, money. For less money. So For we've less seen, money. We've seen this happen before. So and literally to the guy who is the current GM of the team, not only did we see it happen before, but to Brad We lost Nylander for a full year because of these negotiations exactly with Lewis so, so i think i think i'm in your camp here maybe the best course of action is just worst case you just walk him to free agency and hope you can land a, a big fish um yeah. in that free agent off season i guess in, in that uh next next year's off season if nylander decides to walk and take more money because because again if we're looking around the league like one more just like one last second before we get out of here meyer got eight 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 by eight right the brink yeah. wants that much how much of a difference is there between Debrinkat, Meyer, and Nylander? I think they're all pretty similar. Maybe like Nylander's probably the best of the three, but he's best. He's the best. I mean, Meyer claimed he took less. How much is less? I don't know. Like I felt like maybe eight eight by eight could have been a good template kind of thing. Yeah, for what Nylander should have taken. Um. Was the I took less a media play? Quite possibly. Smart. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think back to like that Nylander first negotiation on the contract, and it's just like Nick Ehlers was right in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Like that was a comparable player at the time. 
And like yet, then it took till the eleventh hour to get. It's pretty similar to Nick Killer's contract. Yeah, but yeah, this is a tricky one. Like it feels like Matthews's deal is done, and I wonder how egregious it's going to be. We just got to wait and see for that. We got to wait and see, and and I think once that happens, we'll start to see the other pieces. What number would you fall. be comfortable with it being the highest? Like what? What's the highest AAV that you're comfortable with for Matthews? I love the player. So I honestly am comfortable with any AAV. Like actually, that's a cop out, but like I give them the max. I don't care. I want, I want to like 16. If these guys want to stay, I want to keep them together for as long as possible. If William Elander wants to stay, like let's keep them together for as long as possible. Right. But if he wants to walk, then let him walk. Like that's the thing. Right. If he was, if we know he's going to leave, eventually they got to get off the ice. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. But I mean, if you're going to like, listen, I'm down to extend Matthews to to 35 or whatever number he wants. If he wants to do eight years, that's the biggest thing for me. The biggest selfishly, wish... it's a lot easier to do this show when they're competitive. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> a lot more people are interested for sure. But uh, yeah, who knows? We don't want to take it for granted. Who knows how long it'll be? Uh, yeah. will be be around for. But again, like I said, I'll I'll take them to thirty five any day of the week at any number. So if he signs yeah. that, I just want to see. I just want to see that by eight by when when he signs that deal, whatever the number is, X eight. That's all I want to see. X eight. That's fingers crossed on that one. But yeah, we haven't heard any good things out of this Nylander negotiation. I mean, I just think back to like, you could say, oh, the rumors, whatever. Like it's, it's just like people talking out of their ass, people looking for clicks. But it's like, we said this la- that off season that Nylander held out. And then what happened? It took to the 11th hour. And it seemed like looking back, some of those rumors were true, where the rumor was he, team was offering five, he was asking for eight. And you got six nine, so yeah, or six, six nine, yeah, something. So the rumors aren't uh, not the best. Yeah, I'll I'll listen to the rumors until I actually until he puts pen to paper. Essentially, yeah. all right, but yeah, that's all I had on that front. It really yeah. is uh, really is something to think about. Yeah. And let us know what you want AV term for Matthews for Nylander. What do you what do you think they'll be extended for? If you think we should trade Nylander, or if you're or if you're walking them to free agency, if you made it this far, just drop a comment below. Let us know what you think about the show, and let us know what you think about those two guys. Because I mean, we don't know when it's going to happen, but I again, I I'm pretty sure I said this all throughout last year. I do not foresee Austin Matthews going into training camp with thirty mics in front of his face without a contract signed. So. <laughs> Maybe Nylander's fine with it, but it'd be a nightmare for him. I'd fake yeah. an injury. Yeah. My vocal cords are broken. Can't give an interview. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I had for yep. I think that's all we had for today. Pretty yep. big news to, uh day. This is like the last episode kind of of sub of substance. We gotta start coming up with fun ideas from here on out, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we we got a bunch we'll of We'll keep ideas. pumping them out. We'll pump them out. Don't we just worry. gotta no the lack of leafs news allows for creative creativity exactly right so anyways yeah all right that's all we got for today go let's go